You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. I'm going to take you to the word of the Lord, Proverbs chapter number three, Proverbs chapter number three, and uh, we want to look at a lesson here tonight, just something, uh, a standalone lesson if we can, uh, from this passage of scripture, and I want to talk to you on this thought, the Lord's correction. Let's stand together tonight for the reading of the word. Thank you. The Lord's Correction, that's going to be our title tonight, that's going to be our topic, that's going to be our subject, The Lord's Correction, and there's some interesting things that God gives us here, and encouragement, and so Proverbs talks about this, but let's go to Proverbs chapter number 3, and we'll look at verse 11 and verse number 12, and it says this, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. I want you to pay special attention on verse 11. There were two words that he uses here. He says, despise not. Everybody say despise. Despise not the chastening of the Lord. And the second thing he says is neither be weary. Somebody say weary. Weary. Neither be weary of his correction. So it lets us know right here at the beginning that there are two natural reactions that we could have to God's instructions and correction, if you will, two natural responses we could have that it's saying we ought not have. The first response is to despise it, and the second response is to be weary of it. And God said, don't do it. Amen. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God bless your word tonight to our hearing. Let our ears be open, and I pray that you would strengthen and encourage tonight and edify together in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Despise not, neither be weary of. Now it's interesting that human beings take a long time to mature. And all the parents said, Amen. Amen. Human beings take a long time. To mature. I can't tell the stories I was going to tell tonight because I forgot who was going to be in the room tonight, but take a long time. We could all, we could tell our own stories, talk about things. It takes a long time to mature. In fact, reality is that we spend the first, at least usually minimum culturally, we spend the first 18 years of our life in instruction first 18 years of our life in instruction. In fact, you add on college, it goes beyond that. But culturally acceptable, most people in this room, maybe not everybody, but most 
people in this room, you spent the first 18 years of your life in instruction. You spent the first 18 years of your life before uh, perhaps you would have left home. And it takes about 20 years for the human person, individual, male and female, for them about 20 years to fully mature, both physically and more importantly, maybe, mentally. It takes them a long time to mature. Uh, uh, and it takes a while. Now, my wife and I spent about six years in uh, Bible college ministry working with children that had just left home who thought they knew everything. Amen. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. And we weren't far removed from their age, but we were enough removed from their age to realize the older you get, the more you realize you don't know. And you hit that, you hit sort of that crest, you crest that hill, that peak. I don't know what age it was in your life, probably, you know, 16, 17, 18, where you know everything, you have all of the answers. And then I hear you spend the rest of your life realizing how much you don't know. I'm already, I feel like, Brother Blake, at the place where I have forgotten more than I remember. I read my Bible and I read my notes. I'm even, does anybody else have this happen where you're reading your Bible and you see notes that you made in your Bible and you think, wow, that's really good. <laughs> Who wrote that in my Bible? I don't remember writing that in my Bible. I have notes in my devotional journals that I'm like, man, I can't believe this is good stuff. How did I not know this? And then I know that's my handwriting. I've forgotten more than I remember. And uh, so, but it takes, point is, it takes humanity a long time to mature. In fact, when you're looking at all of creation, Almost, now there are some exceptions, there are some other unique anomalies in nature that, that God created and established, but almost without fail, God designed man to take longer to mature than any other creature out there. Other animals, they're born, and within a short span, they come to full maturity, full, full life, and they're reproducing, whereas human beings, it takes a long time. Now, God created them. God created humanity, and we talked about this in our origin series, which we will be resuming in a few weeks. But God talked about how he made man greater than any other being, any other creature. That is a biblical theology and principle. He made man a little lower than the angels, but he had special purpose for his will and his glory. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love every creature that he creates. He says he knows every sparrow that falls. He knows every being. But God created humanity with a specialness. There is a, a consciousness in the mind. There is a connection and a relation that God can teach to us and reveal himself in a special way to us. And we have the capacity to do what no other creature in this world can do. 
Humans can do something no other creature can do. Can I get a witness? Amen. There's no other creatures. There's some pretty amazing phenomenons in the world. But when you look at the ingenuity of the building skills, the technologies, the abilities, God set humanity up to be able to have capacities that were beyond, if you will, in a certain sense, almost their own imagination. And it's no accident that that capacity that he gave us, apart from God, is what is going to be the fall of man, the downfall of man. And we look at that in Scripture, that there's coming a place, he talks about it, Daniel prophesied that knowledge shall increase. They'll be going to and fro, and that knowledge, while the knowledge is going to increase, their arrogance and their pride of man is going to cause them to rebel against God. And we see that playing out in the world today, but we know that that's prophesied about as well and spoken about in detail, not only in Daniel and Ezekiel and other the prophets, but the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that. But humanity was built with a special capacity for God to reveal himself and to engage with humanity. And so we were designed for instruction. We were designed for instruction. We were designed to be able to be taught certain things, to know certain things. It's amazing. We could talk about the marvelous feats of humanity. God and all of his creative ability gets glory in what man is able to do. We have people now flying uh, 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 commercially. You're now, well, I don't, I don't think you and I probably could do it, but you are able to fly into outer space just for fun and to experience some kind of a weightless limit or whatever. I mean, it's amazing where human ingenuity is taking us beyond the buildings and the technologies and the other things. It is amazing the advancements of science that we have in this world today, that a doctor on the other side of the world can operate on a patient. I mean, you think about that. That is incredible to think about, that the technology is there, that a, a robotic surgery can take place, and that doctor doesn't even have to be there who's setting everything up. Incredible, incredible things that are out. Um, I, I know Brother Welch, we, we, we spent some time talking, and you spent some years over in Korea working in the military, and it was amazing just some of the technology that you said you had on some of those things back in 1980 are things that are really just sort of hitting mainstream in the last decade or whatever, but it was already stuff that was, that's been out. So who knows what technologies are already there today? But God has created us for the capacity for instruction. So I said all that to say that, to say that we are, we are not designed to work, to operate, to function without a great amount of instruction, receiving instruction into our life. And that is true not just physically, but it's also true mentally, but it is definitely true as well spiritually. 
spiritually. So it takes us 18 years to come to full maturity, and there's things that we're still trying to learn. Now today, Luca uh, and I, uh, have, we've been playing some intense basketball games, by the way, at home. And he's got a basketball goal on his door, and we're trying not to destroy the house too bad. Um, but we've been playing some, some basketball, and he's trying to learn how to dribble, and he's trying to learn how to shoot, and he gets real frustrated when he doesn't know how to do it. And anybody else remember, you ever get frustrated with things you can't figure out, and you get upset, and you get mad. And, and I, was, I was trying to encourage him and say, it's okay, bud, you're just starting. Like, dad's a lot older than you, I'm a lot bigger than you. I can, and that's why I'm so much better of a basketball player than you. I said, you know, you're only four years old. It's okay. And I said, okay. I said, Let, let's just see. Let's, this is last night. I said, let's just see how many baskets we can make in a row. And so he walks over there promptly, and he shot, made the first one. I was like, good job. Shot, made the second one. I was like, all right. Shot made the third one, and I was like, wow. Shot made the fourth one. I was like, okay. Shot made the fifth one. I was like, that's enough. <laughs> now it's my turn. Shot made the first one. Whew, thank God. I can do this. I got it. Shot didn't make the second one. There it was. It takes you a long time to learn how to figure things out. And the same is true in your walk with God. And the same is true spiritually. And so our life, we are designed to receive instruction. And not only are we designed to receive it, but we need it. Yes. We have to have it. Right. Now, I know I'm speaking to the choir proverbially because you are here tonight and we come to do what? To look at the word of the Lord, to open up the word of the Lord, to hear from the word of the Lord. But tonight I want to focus on the aspect of correction because correction, correction, everybody say correction. correction. Correction is an extension of the Lord's instruction in our life. Correction is an extension of the Lord's instruction in our life. Now, sometimes we will welcome the initial instruction, but we do not like being corrected. That is a human uh, disposition. That is a natural disposition. We do not like being corrected. In fact, some of us, it's our personalities. I don't like being corrected because I want to figure it out on my own. Is anybody else that way? Nobody else is that way. Y'all going to look at me and pretend, thank you, Brother Killian, for being honest enough. I can figure it out. Just, just leave me alone. Don't tell me what to do. I'll figure it out on my own. But how much greater is it when somebody can come in and say, hey, you know, the reason why this isn't working is because this is what's going on. Let me correct this. Let me help. And so the Lord corrects us. And the reality is that we don't always like correction and we don't always receive instruction willingly. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we want to get to the word of the Lord and we're going to, we're going to go through a few scriptures here tonight. But what does the Lord's correction look like in life? Now I know it's Wednesday night, but let's just pretend like it's Sunday morning and 
we're just down here and we're talking. I, I don't want you to take too much time, but just real quickly, what does the Lord's correction, what could, I should say, hypothetically speaking, what could the Lord's correction look like in your life? Somebody have an answer here? Somebody have a thought? Yes, Brother Cox. Uh, waiting. <laughs> waiting. Everybody say waiting. Sometimes God makes us wait things out because he's teaching us something. Excellent. Somebody else. What does the Lord's correction look like in your life? Maybe how does the Lord bring correction in your life? Sister Zarita, ladies first. All right. He will take you through trials. Now, that's interesting because God definitely permits things to happen in our life to teach us, but sometimes he's intentional about taking us through trials to teach us. This is a powerful principle about the story of Jonah. Does everybody remember the story of Jonah? Jonah was running away from God in disobedience from what God was doing. He's in the ship. He acknowledges his wrong. He says, throw me overboard, and God sends a large fish to swallow him up. And in that time, he's teaching him something. Now, the interesting thing about the story of Jonah was it took him three days, the Bible says, before he prayed. <laughs> Jonah was a slow learner. <laughs> I it would take me three minutes. Yes, Lord, I got it. I'm ready. I'll go. We say that, but maybe <laughs> we also have been in situations that God may have allowed us to teach us, and those trials could be physical. They could be financial. They could be relational. There are things that God sometimes will allow, and the only way to get through is to let him work it out his way. So we teach us this. Brother Zarita, did you have a... That's an expression of temperament, uh, showing that you're, you're not quick to, to allow the situation or the circumstance uh, to sway you or move you or, or have you respond to All right. Absolutely. So God, he, he, he tests us in how we respond to things. And we've heard this, said, life is, so not, is, life is not so much about what happens to you as it is how you respond right. Right. to what happens to you. Sister? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Amen. We can stunt, we would stunt our own spiritual growth because we are comfortable and God's trying to push us to the next level, to the next thing, and He can allow discomfort to come in to unsettle us. 
in our life. This is, this is good. This is how instruction, this is how correction can come to teach us, hey, you got this, but now it's time to go to the next thing. You're being hesitant. And the Lord's correction can look like some of these things. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. And I want to read through here because uh, we read from Proverbs chapter 3, and the author of Hebrews is going to quote this chapter, but I want us to see the context in which they are putting it. Hebrews chapter number 12, and let's read a few verses of Scripture here. We'll begin at verse number one. And we, we're familiar with this passage, hopefully. He says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, every, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So now he's making a point. There was an object, Christ, for the joy for the reward of what was going to happen, was willing to do the work, enduring the cross. He despised the shame or the effects of sin, if you will. And in doing that, he was going for the joy. He says in verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. What he's saying, you're still alive. You haven't resisted unto blood. This hasn't cost you your life yet. And ye have forgotten the exhortation, here it is, which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Meaning, he's going to discipline his children because he will not want his children to, to be living in a principle that is going to cause them greater harm later down the road. So you teach them, and you discipline them, and you teach them how to respond and how to live. Look in verse 7. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. So he says, stop looking on the negative side, look on the good side. If you're in a situation and God is chastening you, then it means God loves you. So Jonah, you're not in the whale <laughs> because life is horrible. You're in the whale because God is long-suffering. God's keeping you. That's an interesting thing to think about, that sometimes a trial, this is a hard thing to think about, to accept maybe, that sometime a trial could be the keeping of God. Yes. What's worse than the whale? God taking his hand off and letting you drown. What's, what's worse than the whale is God letting us succumb to our own devices. God turning us over unto ourselves. God allowing us 
The Bible does talk about he gave them over. He gave them up to a reprobate mind. That There comes a point in dealing with humanity where we can reach such a place of stubbornness that God says, okay, I'm going to leave you unto yourself. I'm going to leave you to your own devices. I thank God. I would rather live in a trial with God's love and long-suffering. Now, I'm not saying, God, I want a trial. Amen? Amen. Just give me a picture of the whale and I'll pray. I don't have to see, I don't even have to smell it, Lord. You know? But God's love and God's grace is the most important thing. If he endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Okay, your children's playing with fire. You're not going to discipline the child and teach them that they can't play with the fire, that there's not limitations there? I'm not doing this because I'm harping on the child. I'm doing it for the child's own safety and protection. I'm trying to help the child. So God loves us. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which have corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? You, you reverenced your earthly father because he taught you some things. Thank God he taught me what it was like to hard, what hard work looked like, what, what finishing a job, what sticking with it was. Thank God for those godly examples. You may not have had a father. Maybe you didn't have a godly example of a father. But thank God for the godly examples that God put in your life or people that may have not even been godly, but yet they cared enough about you to teach you something. And he says, you honor them and you revere them. Should we not much more revere the Father of spirits, the one who gave us life, the Father of us all, and live, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, whatever their mind thought, whatever their desire was. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. God does it for our own profit. By the way, this is a side note, not in the notes. But one purpose for chastening the author here says, is so that you will be holy. And he calls holiness profitable. There is a blessing in living a holy life. Notice the connection. There are a lot of people that resist holiness in their life or holiness teaching in their life. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I want to go to a church, but I don't want anybody judging me. I don't want to go to church, but I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't know of a church that doesn't tell you what to do. Because if you open up the book, if you open up the Word, it immediately tells us what to do. The reason I came to church was because I didn't know what to do. So I need to know, God, I need an answer. Well, here's what you do. I don't want you to tell me what to do, Lord. Think about that for a minute. 
And so sometimes God can allow us to be in circumstances and situations because he's trying to teach us to live a holy life. By holiness, he's talking about a life that is not tethered by sin and this world. A life of liberty and freedom and joy in the Holy Ghost. So he goes on and says, uh, uh, now no chastening for the present seem to be joyous, but grievous. It's painful right now. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So when you're chastened of the Lord, it is not supposed to be fun. Oh, man. It's not supposed to be fun. It is grievous. But when you identify that it is the loving word and hand of a loving God, he said it yieldeth. Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. You want peace in your life? Let God teach you and correct you and lead you in the ways of holiness. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord tonight? Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, those that are discouraged. Come on, give it another effort. Give it another try. Don't be weary. Don't be tired. This is what he's talking about. And what does he say? The feeble knees and make your path straight for your feet. Go to verse 12. Can you do this? Go to Hebrews 12, 12 in the New Living Translation. Can you get this verse in the New Living Translation? Hebrews 12, 12 in the New Living Translation. I want to read this to you right now. It says, as soon as they get it on the screen, I'm waiting for them to get it on the screen so you can see this together. I think, now, you hear me? There it is. All right. It says, in the KJV, it says, lift up the feeble hands. In here, it says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Literally, here is scripture and verse. Get a grip. (laughs) Am I in the word? Turn to somebody and tell them, get a grip. Take a new grip. That's a loose interpretation of despise not. Neither be weary of. Here we go again. You ever do that? You come to church and man, the word of God is going forth and You know, sometimes you think I'm preaching at you. But I try never to preach at anyone. My prayer is to deliver the Word of God. And if I'm preaching at anyone, usually I am preaching at self. But the Word of God can come and it'll prick and it will convict and it will teach and it will edify and it will build and it will instruct and it will rebuke. And it will challenge, and it will correct, and it stings. Oh, come on. 
Oh man, it stings. What's, what's pastor think? Who's pastor think he is? But it's the word of God, and, and here's what our action, our attitude ought to be. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. So I come to the I come to church. I learned to come to church with my Bible open, my heart open, and my feet ready to go to the altar. Because there's going to be something somewhere. That God's going to speak to me. Yes, Lord, I, I need that in my life. Now, here's the thing about humans. The reality is that we never stop learning. Or at least we should never stop learning. We're always learning. Because as soon as we have it figured out, I've learned this. As soon as you have it figured out, the world's going to change. And if you figure it out quicker than the world changes, you find something else out, and that is that you change. And so now you've got to fight different things, and life's going to change, and you've got to learn. And you need the correction and the instruction of the Lord. Go with me, if you will, to Job chapter 5 and verse 17. And I'll come to a close with this. Job 5 and 17. Behold, happy. Somebody say happy. Happy, happy is the man whom God correcteth. You are happy. I thank God when you learn something that you didn't know before. And it helps your life. You learn a trick. You learn something. Wow, that was so good. I, sh I, I wish I would have learned this sooner. This helps. It makes life so much easy. Happy are you whom God corrects. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. I don't always like it in the moment when God is correcting me. But if I will listen to what he says, man, it's going to bring happiness and joy in my life. You want a happy life? Listen to what God says. It works. Can I get a witness? This works in your life. It will work in your marriage. It will work in your family. It will work in your career. It will work in your relationships. The Word of God can even help our health. If we would live like Scripture implies. it's a lot of wisdom in here. There's a whole lot of stuff. I have found that there's a lot of goodness in Scripture. And you'll see that and say, wow, there that is. There, that's how I should be living. I have found answers for how I should live my life in finances, in health, in relationship. <clears throat> and see, here's the problem. We short, we short ourselves so much from what God has for us, when we say, well, I want to come to church and I want to feel the presence of God and I want to feel the emotion of joy and all that stuff. And man, it feels so good. But then you want to go out and you want to live your own life and you wonder why you have difficulties in the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, I don't, I, don't, I, don't know why, I don't know why they don't like me. Well, Proverbs and the rest of Scripture gives us a whole lot of information about how to live with other people. 
Anybody in here ever had people problems? Thank you. There's a f- about four of us in here. We need to see the rest of you and figure out your seat. Amen. It's going to help. Pa- Paul, okay, this is how simple, this is how simple sometimes you can fix problems. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and says, Husbands, love your wives. Why did he say that? Because there were some that had a hard time doing that. And that was a simple fix right there. Turn to somebody and say, he just helped you. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Simple. Just got to do it. Wow. It works. Right? It works. Now, that was just one simple example. Okay? But the Bible is full of all kinds of stuff. That's why we want you to get in it. We want you to read it. We want you to know it. Go to Psalm 94 and 12. Psalm 94 and 12, blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. He is blessed. There's not one person in here that has not obeyed the commands of the Lord, and you're not blessed in your life from it. Come on, I'm going to tell you, I have been blessed financially, relationally, spiritually, because of the things that God has done in my life. Don't look at me and call me lucky. I am blessed. Amen. Because somewhere along the way, God found my family in a gutter and gave them hope and promise and the Word of God, and they began implementing it in their life. And I'll tell you, my testimony, as many others, I did some ancestral research a few years ago, got real into it, And I dug up a whole bunch of dirt and stuff that had been buried that my parents didn't even know about their family. But what happened, I could tell you this, at every point that one of of my family members historically found their way into the church, that's when the dysfunction stopped. The alcoholism stopped. The addiction stopped. The dysfunctional family stopped. The all kinds of other junk and stuff that I'm not... Is buried long ago, and I'm going to leave it buried. But I'll tell you this, I'm blessed because of the Word of God in my life. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how low you are, who you are, where you were born, what your name is, it doesn't matter. The Word of God works for you. The Word of God works for you. And it works for every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people, anywhere, at any time in the Word of God. Amen. I thank God for His Word. So here we go in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 32. 1 Corinthians 11, 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. I thank God that he's taking now time to get on to me because someday there is coming a collapse, a condemnation to the world. Amen. I was reading this morning in Genesis chapter 8, I think it says. In Genesis chapter 8 gives... The phrase, and I can't remember if I was reading in the New Living Translation or the KJV, but as long as the world exists, there will be evening and morning and winter and summer and all of that stuff, as long as the world exists, which lets us know that the world, Brother Killian, has a shelf life. And there's a day where it's coming to an end, and God's going to settle the score. And in that, amen, I thank God that 
I don't want to be a part of that. I want to learn now. I want to be on the right side. So this, this becomes our, refrain, our prayer and our refrain. Psalm 25 and 4 and Psalm 86 and 11. Go to Psalm 25 and 4. And the psalmist writes here, David says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. So the opposite of despising, the opposite of being weary, is when you are inviting God's instruction into your life. When you are seeking after the ways of God in your life. In Psalm 86 and 11, he says this, Teach me thy way, O Lord, and I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. And herein lies some of the problems that we have. We have a divided heart. We have a divided heart. We, our heart is divided over things. I want to live for God, but I want to really enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I love what the Holy Ghost feels like at the altar, but man, I really want to go. And people live in this in-between. David says it's not going to work that way. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Teach me thy ways, O Lord. I don't know that you will ever graduate. You will never graduate in this life to a point where you don't need any teaching from the Lord. We will never get to the place where we don't need teaching from the Lord. I need the Lord's instruction. I need the Lord's correction in my life. And I invite that. Graduation day is not in this life, but it's when we pass from this life. And that's why we view death in the church different than the world views death in the church. Because when we graduate from this life, amen, we have graduated to a place, amen, of His glory, of His promise, of His purpose, amen. We know that when we graduate, we are united with others, amen, that most likely came along and taught us some of the ways and the precepts and the things of God. While we sorrow in this life, we don't sorrow like other people sorrow, but precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of his saints. Because God is saying, well done. <laughs> well done. Come on. You passed the test. I gave you instruction. You received it. I corrected you and you amended it. You welcomed it. You sought it out in your life. Amen. So it doesn't matter how great we are, how talented we are. We need the instruction and the correction of the Lord in our life. I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to be a good husband. I'm still learning what it's like to be a father. I'm still learning what it's like to be a child of God. I'm still learning how to be a good disciple. I'm still learning how to be a faithful Christian. But I thank God for His promise that's kept me every day. I thank God for His strength that gets us back up. So take a new grip on life. Amen. Come on, strengthen those feeble knees. Come on, don't let yourself be discouraged. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be upset and say, man, I've been doing this for all these years and I still haven't learned the lesson. No, that's all right. God's still working on us. Praise God. Come on, do you thank God for His correction? Amen, amen. amen. So teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. I want to learn it. I want to know right now. 
And I'm going to tell you, we never really escape trials in this life until we escape this life. Amen? Amen. We will never really escape trials in this life until we escape this life. You can live your best life now, but just know that in your best life now, you're still going to have (laughs) trials and tribulations. But someday, it will be worth it all. Stand together with me tonight. Come on, can we thank the Lord together for His love and His grace? Come on, can you lift your voice with me? Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for loving me. I thank you, God, for teaching me. I thank you, Lord, for working with me. I thank you for your long-suffering. I thank you for your gentleness, God. I thank you for the strength of your hand. I thank you for your strong rebuke, even, God. When I need that in my life, Lord, I welcome God.